You're listening to the Really Useful Podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. Welcome to the show. My name is Christian Corley, and later in this podcast, I will be joined by a combination of Gavin Phillips and Ben Stegner in a few pre-recorded segments in which we will explore various topics to help you make better use out of your technology and understand the uh, ever-changing world around us. So there's no news in this week's really useful podcast, so uh, we're basically just going to go straight into this week's collection of topics now uh, as a little preview we're going to be looking at windows xp mode we're going to be looking at online dating and we'll also be looking at uh, nfts and their value or otherwise joining me as mentioned are gavin phillips and ben stegner let's kick off when i was a lad You'd go out to meet a lady, maybe to a pub or to to a dance. (laughs) (laughs) And you didn't go to the dance. Um, You might go to a a disco or a nightclub or a discotheque. Or you you might meet a lady at work. And um, then you might, you know, you might get to know each other. Or in most cases, you might not because you've a complete... (laughs) completely afraid of the opposite sex um these days there's a thing called online dating i have a uh, an acquaintance who recently in the past few years uh, split up with a long-time partner and he went into the online dating world and found it quite baffling um but it seems that it's not simple for anyone of any age really if, looking at this there's six online dating mistakes that you could that you could make and you need to avoid isn't that right ben yeah so i will preface this by saying that your friend is exactly right online dating is the worst thing ever it sucks for everybody it's it's miserable it's one of those things i think it's what are they like with the experiments where it's like you just keep doing the same thing over and over like definition of insanity type thing where it's like okay i've been using this for years and it's absolutely miserable but this is how you meet someone these days so i'm just going to keep using it and hope that one of these days the dice roll will be lucky and I'll get something out of it. Um, so yeah, preface it by saying that, that online dating, it, it, it sucks. Um, but there are some things you can do to uh, improve your experience, keep yourself safe and things like that. So we can go through some of these. So first big one is, is neglecting safety. That's a big mistake, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. Most online dating sites have a very low barrier to entry. So there's a lot of just scams and and other bad things. So these range from you know, people stealing photos and then trying to get you to fall for a Bitcoin scam or something like that to people who actually, you know, want to take you somewhere and then physically harm you. So um, some some ways to combat some of this is know the signs of a fake profile, which we talk about in different articles. Um, if someone refuses to talk on the phone with you or video chat um, or all their messages seem really generic, that's probably a sign they're not a real person or they're lying to you. If you do meet up on a date, it's always best to go somewhere uh, public for your first time. So, you know, go, go to a coffee shop or wherever where there's plenty of people around. Um, drive yourself there so you're not relying on that other person to take you home. Um, 
don't drink too much because that's just that adds problems to the situation. Um, have a good exit strategy, um, you know, a reason that you can leave if things are awkward, things like that. Um, and then also don't forget on your actual profile, you should protect your privacy too. So don't include pictures that show like exactly where you live or don't include your last name. Um, so people can't look you up before, before you want them to be able to, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the first one. Um, so some of the other mistakes are more to improve your, uh, quality of matches or your experience on it. So another mistake is using phony pictures. Um, so you obviously don't want to use like blurry pictures or pictures with multiple people that make it hard to see who you are, but you don't want to go too far in the other direction either. So you don't want to use like perfect Photoshop pictures that are way beyond the real you. Um, you don't want to use outdated pictures, you know, how you look 10 years ago. If, if you don't look the same now, that's not really telling the truth. Um, the best pictures are ones that just show you doing something you enjoy that they they can show the other person a bit about your personality. Um, having a variety of pictures is great too. Uh, expanding that kind of out a little bit. The next thing to avoid is lying on your profile. Um, don't lie about the basics, you know, claiming that you're thinner than you are or claiming that you're taller than you are or that you enjoy X activity, even if you've never really used it. Um, you know, obviously that stuff, might help you match with someone, but then it's going to fall apart when they meet you and lying isn't a good foundation for any relationship, obviously. And something else important to remember too, is that something you hate about yourself could be something that another person finds really attractive. So um, maybe you have freckles and hate them, but somebody else really loves them. And you know, you wouldn't want to like hide that um, with your pictures, that kind of thing. Uh, Another one. So when you're sending a message, it's important to not be boring or creepy. So, I'm sure everybody's gotten a message that's like, Hey, or how's it going? Which is really boring because people get that all the time. So you don't want to go too far on the other end and, you know, write five paragraphs about why you want to spend the rest of your life with a person right away. But you should look at the person's profile and come up with something interesting. Um, if they have a picture that shows them climbing a mountain or something, you can say, Oh, you know, what, when did you get into this? Or what's the coolest mountain you've climbed or something like that, just to show that you looked at their profile and uh, you're, taking an interest in them and not just sending hey to 20 people all in a row, which is, you know, that's another part that makes uh, online dating boring. Um, any comments, Christian? I feel like I'm monologuing here. No, no, I'm, okay. I'm sat here fascinated that you know so much about this. Um, yeah, <laughs> the article makes it sound like I know more than I do. Let's put it that <laughs> way. Um, this is an idealistic approach, I suppose. Okay. Um, a couple more. So yeah, being too picky or idealistic, speaking of which, um, so online dating has some good things because, you know, if you're of a certain religion and you want to find people that are the same way, you know, that helps you kind of weed them, weed people out that aren't a fit for you right away, which is great. Um, but it's also kind of easy to get into this rut of, you know, I want someone who's this height and has this hair color and likes these things. And then you just ignore everybody else, which kind of limits your options, obviously. Um, you know, think about the things that are really key to you, like your values or profession or where some, if someone lives close to you, that kind of stuff. And then once that, you know, all the stuff that's smaller, don't worry about that. You know, what kind of music they like or what kind of pets, that stuff you can figure out later. Um, you don't want to limit your options too much. Um, same thing, you know, in person, remember that when you are on, when you're on an app, you're not going to know stuff like, is the person attentive? Do they ask good questions? Are they on their phone too much? Are they, do they interrupt you? Things like that. Like you don't know that right away. So give people a chance in an in-person date to see how it goes versus just when you're talking to them on an app. 
Um, and then finally, make sure you're using the right dating service. So there's 8 billion dating apps. Um, a lot of them use the swipe model from Tinder, um, but there's lots of different ones. Some cater to certain religions, some cater to certain age groups, um, certain races or social status. There's some apps that are only for rich elites, things like that. So um, there's definitely a lot of ones to choose from. So if you're not getting results on whatever app you're using, maybe consider one uh, that's more geared towards people like you. Because another thing with the big apps too, like I said earlier about the low barrier to entry, the big free apps, there's 8 million people on them. And there are a lot of low quality accounts that are just there for something to do. Um, so if you pick one of the more specific ones, you might have a better chance of finding someone who's serious about using the app to find somebody. Hmm. That is all fascinating, and um, I'm pretty sure I won't, but should I ever find myself requiring some online dating information, I will be referring to this guide. Now, Gavin, Windows XP was a very popular operating system. I remember when I uh, joined the NHS... 19 years ago, good Lord, nearly 20 years ago, I um, we were using Windows XP very happily, and then along came the Vista rollout, and soon, soon after that, we were using Windows XP very happily. And then I changed jobs and worked for a software support company in around 2007, 2008, and we were using Windows XP very happily. It's... it's <laughs> <laughs> it's it's had some longevity as Windows XP, hasn't it? And now now we can le we can download it. Yeah, it's um, it's quite cool actually. This you can download and install Windows XP for free, um, but the, you have to run it in a in a virtual machine. And for most people, getting hold of a copy of Windows XP actually isn't the easiest thing to do these days, really. Um, despite there being millions of computers around the world still running it, for better yeah. or worse. Um, and the reasons for that really vary quite a lot. It's usually, you know, systems that have been built on XP that the level of difficulty as such to overhaul the entire system would cause so much disruption. It's easier to keep running XP and I imagine paying Microsoft something to at least provide some sort of security update pro type schedule, but, but who knows? Um, so what you do, um, there's a link on the article that this uh, discussion is about um, and you download what's called the Windows XP mode virtual hard disk and this is uh, an official microsoft product uh unfortunately they don't actually even provide a download link for this anymore however we do have one uh that is tried tested uh virus malware free um and so you download this uh the virtual hard disk um and there's a few steps on the website so you have to extract some files uh, and convert them into a different format and once you've done this you can take this uh, converted file and stick it into a virtual machine on your on your system and uh, so a virtual machine is a type of software that you can install on windows uh, mac os and, and linux and it allows you to effectively run uh, say another operating system on top of yours without the hoo-ha of having to you know find a disk uh, and install it and, and all this sort of stuff um, uh, so once you do install it on the virtual machine, you're guided 
nicely into Windows XP completely for free. Uh, so you have to open VirtualBox, uh, create the virtual machine, um, you have to set the uh, Microsoft Windows version, um, add the virtual hard disk, uh, and there's a bunch of other steps. I'm not going to go through them all because sure. there are quite a few. But the result is a fully functioning version of Windows XP, which is which is really good. Um, how much use you actually have out of Windows XP these days, I don't know. <laughs> I've actually used it myself um, to run old video games for right. a period. When and I, has, when I how well get them to does run. that go? It's hit and miss. Hit and miss. Okay. Um, I couldn't get a copy of... Uh, Premier Manager 98 running on my computer. So I put it into the Windows XP mode virtual machine and it got up and running. Uh, the only issue I had was that I couldn't save the game, which was very frustrating. Oh. But um, it did allow me to relive the glory years of the 1998 Premier League. So that's that's well worth it. <laughs> Definitely. Um, just something I want to ask, and it's a little bit nerdy. Uh, you cut, you say it's got Windows XP mode. Has it? Is it actually the Windows XP thing extracted from Windows Seven? It is. Yeah, right. that's exactly it. So Windows Seven, as as you said, used to have Windows XP mode built into it, which launched effectively. A, it was like a virtual machine built into it, wasn't it? Yeah. That it launched itself, uh, and you didn't have to faff around with installing your own software. Uh, and this is it. It's extracted from that. Uh, it's available for download uh, via a link on our website, makeuseof.com. And uh, the all the steps are there from top to bottom, including how to configure your internet connection so that you can use the internet within Windows XP as well. Excellent. Gavin? Yes. My Amazon Prime subscription renewed recently, and I'm wondering to myself, do I really need it? Is it worth my money? Oh, there's so many things you get with Amazon Prime. <laughs> convince me. Oh, convince you. Uh, well, the biggest free perk is the free shipping, surely. I think yeah. the free shipping works differently, though stateside to over here doesn't it so over Does it? here in the uk it's one day delivery right so amazon prime is like guaranteed one day uh and depending on your where you live you might even get same day in america it's two day delivery is the guarantee but i also think within some of the bigger cities you get um you can get same day delivery depending on where you are um and if you're like close to a massive logistics hub, then you know they can probably do that. Sure. Um, and then I guess the second biggest thing is Prime Video. Do you use Prime Video? I uh, we use Prime Video quite a lot, especially this month because they've um, made all the Bond movies free again for Bond's 60th anniversary. So they 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 were initially free, then they went to apart from No Time to Die, they went uh, they went to like you have to pay to rent this, uh, but they've gone free again this month, uh, October 2022. Aha, nice. Actually, I I must admit I cancelled my Prime subscription uh, recently, but one of the last things I watched on it was every single James Bond film. <laughs> oh, nice one. <laughs> In order, which is very, very, very good. Um, you know, great films. Uh, but I digress. Um, so the question you're probably asking yourself actually is how much does Amazon Prime cost? 
it gives quite good value for money at $139 a year. Um, you can do a $14.99 per month plan. Um, I think that's reasonable value, isn't it? If it gets to your house the next day, what do you think? I think it is, yeah. I But I do feel... I, pro- I do like having things delivered promptly. I don't want to have to worry about when things are going to come. I do like to be able to say, I want it coming this day, and it comes that day. Now, we've had a few problems with things over the past few months, which weren't Amazon's issue. They were the issues of the sellers on Amazon. For instance, we ordered... Remember our heat wave in the UK? Mm. Uh, well, here in uh, in my part of the UK, it lasted about four days. Um, but we still ordered a paddling pool for it, which never came. And oh. it still hasn't come. And, you know, we've got the refund and everything like that. But additionally, we also got the kind of uh, the cover for this paddling pool and the base for the paddling pool and everything. So they all came. And the point is, while it was easy to sort out the refund and all that sort of thing, it isn't necessarily the case that when you say, when you, when you request, uh, when, you know, when you order something and you say, you expect it's going to come on, you know, specific day, that it's going to come on that day or even that it's going to, ever come at all and additionally i do feel a bit aggrieved that there are other parts of amazon that aren't included in amazon prime for instance amazon music uh and i do feel as if that should be included and i pay separate for that and i d- sometimes i wish i didn't but on the other hand uh for a quiet life from uh, the children having their own source of music it's a better option that way uh, so <laughs> um <laughs> I, I generally speaking amazon prime is something that i kind of go along with at the moment but you know as time goes on it may be that it doesn't it isn't economical for me i guess but at the moment it is a good idea I suspect that's the same for a lot of people. Really, it's convenient, oh. so it's worth paying for. But once it start, once it stops being that that convenient, that's when you kind of don't want it anymore, isn't it? Absolutely. I think with Amazon, and it does have lots of like if you if you like game streaming, Amazon owns Twitch, so you get free stuff through that, or you get some free bits on uh, Audible, I believe, because they own Audible as well. Yep. Um, you have the things from like, oh, uh, Amazon Prime Day. You get early things on that if you are a subscriber. Um, there's Prime Photo, another thing that you can store your things uh, or your photos. But I think the key thing with Amazon is actually, like you said, weighing up every now and then if you're getting absolute value from the subscription. Because there's been a few cases, and this is one of the reasons why I stop subscribing to Amazon Primes because every now and then you think, oh, this is going to arrive in one day. But if you compare the price of the product, you might actually find the price uh, the product cheaper somewhere else, but you're going to have uh-huh. to wait two days or three days yeah. for it to arrive. So, I mean, obviously you're paying for the convenience. That's what it's there for. But if you don't need it, you can often find cheaper prices elsewhere. You just have to be a bit patient which is really hard (laughs) (laughs) yes that's true patience is hard but also i understand it is a virtue (laughs) nfts 
non-fungible tokens are um, one of those things in the world of tech that need constant explanation, not least to me. Um, and I'm someone that owns an NFT that I created myself and which, uh, you know, I hoped someone might at least attempt to offer a bit less for it than I've asked for. Still no one's interested in my f my image of a pixelized breakfast. One day, Christian. One, one day, day. One day. Someone Any... will swoop in. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, maybe, maybe I've overvalued it, maybe I've undervalued it. But so how do you determine the value of an NFT anyway? It's a quite a good question. There's a few sort of different ways you can look at it. But I think the best way is to look at it, the, the valuation methods as, as sort of as a whole. So NFT value comes from say four sort of main areas, uh, one of which is rarity. Each NFT that is created has a level of rarity. You know, how, how unique is this NFT? And that's sort of similar to how rare or unique pieces of art are and that sort of stuff. So that can can give you some information on, on their value. Uh, the second thing would be is what can the NFT actually be used for? So while most NFTs are typically just used as, you know, a piece of, of art that you just look at on your screen or whatever. We're seeing more and more use of uh, NFTs in, in wider sort of ecosystems. And this is getting into some of the metaverse stuff, which we won't delve into today because it can get awfully, awfully complicated. But for example, you might buy an NFT um, and then you may be able to use it within a game or you might be able to put it on another website with part of a collection and you might be able to earn money from people viewing your collection of nfts there's there's quite a lot of different uses like this uh the third point of valuation is uh nft liquidity and that refers to the sort of the general flow of of sales for the specific type of nft you've bought so one of the biggest uh, NFT projects that I'm sure quite a lot of people have heard of was the Bored Ape Yacht Club, who uh, during last summer, 2021, that is, um, the prices of those NFTs shot up, went beyond belief, people were paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for them, uh, which kind of bends your mind a little bit, considering it's just digital art, but that's sort of besides the point. But uh, a way to value and look at the value of NFTs is to see how much people are paying in general for something that you also want to buy. There's something called an NFT floor price, and that's the sort of the minimum suggested level that an NFT should be sold for. Uh, and the fourth thing that you should always consider is who's behind the NFT project. If the people behind it have a good reputation and have maybe created other projects before, uh, are well known in the NFT and crypto space, then that's could be a good sign that it's going to be a solid investment. The other thing to consider is if they have sort of endorsements from people. I sort of err on the caution of this one a bit more than the people creating it because, you know, people of people can be paid to endorse things all the time. So that one's yeah. a bit sort of here and there. Um, but then some people have bought into NFTs of their own accord. So you just have to sort of weigh it up. There was the thing actually with the Board 8 Yacht Club where I think it was, uh, was it Paris Hilton and... Jimmy Kimmel or someone like that discussing their, you know, £250,000 NFT projects on his chat show. 
And then it later emerged that they both have the same agents and lo and behold, their agents had a significant holding of the Board 8 Yacht Club NFTs and links to the agency that were promoting it. So it was like, oh, look, that's why these two celebrities are on primetime US TV discussing ridiculously expensive NFTs. So why do people do things like that? Like it's not <clears throat> going to get discovered? Well, you know, more more dollars than cents written into the yes. contract. More <laughs> dollars than we'll ever see, Christian. <laughs> but um, overall, there are sort of there there are some ways that you can try and value up an, an NFT. But I would always just just err on the side of caution with with any NFT project you think you might like the look of or like the like the idea of because as we've seen, these things can be. Well, they can be extremely fickle, can't they? Indeed, they can. Yes, as as my uh, NFT of a, a pixelized breakfast, a, a full English breakfast, does um, in in eight bit style, has um, singularly <laughs> failed to uh, even elicit anyone's drool. Uh, oh, it would God. seem. <laughs> one day, Christian. One, one day. day. One day. Okay. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's really useful podcast. Next week's show, I'll be joined by either Ben Stegner or Gavin Phillips, actually for a full show, and we will be discussing the latest tech news that matters to you, along with uh, tips and tricks to help you make the best use of your technology. Uh, if there is anything in this week's show that you think would help or benefit a friend, relative, colleague, uh, let them know. And if you have any suggestions for the show, uh, please get in touch with us through uh, makeuseof.com, uh, through Facebook, or through Twitter. You'll find the links in the show notes. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll be back next time. Goodbye.